This is Pave It Black. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pave It Black, the official podcast of the National Asphalt Pavement Association. My name is Richard Willis. And I'm Brett Williams. And as a national association, when we talk about government affairs, we typically think about federal legislation and regulation. And while that is important for our members, it is also important to understand what's happening on a state or local level. If you think about it, the government is really one of the primary owners of payments in this country. So government affairs really is about interfacing with one of our biggest customers. So to help us understand what happens more on that state and local level today, we've asked Summer Strain from the Wallback Group to come and be a part of the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Summer. Hi, Brett. Hi, Richard. Thank you for having me. So Summer, I'm really curious how one ends up working in government affairs at a construction company. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about how you got to where you're at today? Yes. So as Richard said, I'm the director of government affairs for the Wellbeck Group, which is a vertically integrated construction company headquartered in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and includes Napa members, Payne and Dolan, and Northeast Asphalt. I definitely did not have a background or a plan to end up in the construction industry, but I did study history and political science at the University of Wisconsin, go Badgers. And then I went to law school at Arizona State, go Devils. And ended up moving back to Wisconsin and working in the state Senate, which is really where I gained my first exposure to the transportation and construction industries. The senator that I worked for was very active in both of those committees. So I started off on the legislative side and then had an opportunity to join the executive branch at the Department of Administration in Wisconsin. There I oversaw the state building program for Wisconsin. So all of the vertical construction that the state undertook basically everything from the state capitol to Camp Randall, correctional facilities, state parks, things like that. I should probably add at this point that my husband, Brandon, runs is the executive director of the Wisconsin Asphalt Pavement Association. And so through the Napa annual meeting and mid-year meetings, I had gotten to know some members of the Welbeck leadership team pretty well. So in 2016, when we got back from the annual meeting at La Quinta, the CEO of our company reached out to Brandon and said, this is kind of weird question, but can I have your wife's phone number? <laughs> so that's how I started talking to them. Brandon and I had just started a family and I was kind of looking for something that was going to be a better fit for me as a working mom. And so I started working in my current position in the spring of 2016. So it's been a little over five years and the construction industry, especially the transportation construction industry is a very exciting dynamic place to be right now. And so we're definitely working on recruiting more young people, women, people of color to this industry. So at Napa, we do a lot of work on federal pieces of legislation, but what are some of the things that you do on more of a local level to really help the Wallbeck group out? On the state level, we our situation in Wisconsin politically does really mirror kind of what we're seeing on the federal level. We are constantly focused on pushing our state, so our legislature and our governor to find some more long-term sustainable funding solutions for us so that we can build and maintain our infrastructure in Wisconsin. Unfortunately, for the last probably 10 to 20 years, that has been a struggle. So it's something that we work on every day through grassroots organizing, personal touches, coalition building, working through our state associations, 
And then on the state level, we also work on regulatory relief as well. So we have a lot of contact with our Department of Natural Resources, our Department of Workforce Development, sometimes revenue issues as it relates to taxation. So there's a lot of interaction, advocacy, all of those things with various levels of the state government. Then on the local level, so our cities, counties, towns, municipalities, a lot of our interaction with them is related to the siting and permitting of our aggregate and manufacturing facilities. So it's a lot of land use and ensuring that we're complying with zoning and things like that. Lots of neighbors who maybe don't want an asphalt plant near their house, things like that. And I think Brett kind of alluded to this in the introduction as well, but because we are government contractors and most of our project owners are agencies and entities of the government, one thing that I really try to remind our team every day is that they're constantly engaging in government affairs and government relations. Even if it doesn't occur to them that that's what it is, that is what it is. So it's important to have good communication to be all the things we talk about, respectful in your communications, direct in your asks, mindful of regulations and things that we all have to work within. So we kind of all do this on a daily basis. I just don't think some of us think about that we're actually doing it when we're doing it. So you started to touch a little bit on different areas that you work with within the company or things that you work on, but I'd be curious if you could share maybe a little bit about who you maybe interact with within the company and who you're working with on some of the different things that you do work on. Yeah, I pretty much work with everyone from our crews in the field up to our leadership suite on a variety of things. Everything from if we have issues on projects that we know they're going to be elevated to a certain level within our Department of Transportation or hopefully not the legislature, but sometimes it gets to that. I get brought in and involved and help with setting up meetings, communications, making sure that we are being represented appropriately and telling our side of the story a lot of the time if it's going to be adversarial. As I said, I went to law school, so I work with our legal team a lot as a lawyer in negotiations, contracts. I do a lot of communications work for our company as well. So kind of out there telling our stories, project tours with government officials. But I think a lot of people are visual learners and it's really good to bring those decision makers out in the field and see that we are employing a variety of people in family supporting jobs who work hard and to really give them a feel for what this industry is about and that we're safety, quality, innovation, all those things that we really extol as our company's core values. It's easy to talk about, but it's much better to show them. A lot of times when people think government affairs, they really think about the legislator or the governor's office or the administration, but there's a lot going on right now related to regulation, or at least talks about changes to regulations. So how do you work in your role with these regulatory agencies to help ensure that the business operations aren't negatively impacted for the future sustainability of the company? So much of what we do on that front is education and helping the regulatory agency understand how their regulations or the things that they're going to put upon us do affect operations. Because I think coming from a government agency and like working within that bureaucracy, it's easy to kind of do things in a vacuum and not understand the real world impact or ramifications of what you're requiring someone to do. 
so a lot of what I do on that front is really educating and informing them about a process. So if you're at an asphalt terminal and you can truck things or receive product by rail or by water, you can't have public access to that kind of facility for a host of reasons. But someone who's writing rules about sidewalk access in a big city isn't necessarily thinking, well, how is public access to this going to affect business operations, right? So it's really just informing them, hey, actually what's going on in these tanks is not anything that you want people around. So a lot of it is just, like I said, communication and information sharing so that people understand how what they're thinking about doing is balanced with our ability to continue doing what we're supposed to be doing at these facilities. Yeah, I remember a conversation that I had with FHWA back in May, but they were asking us about, well, if infrastructure funding comes through and we get a lot more money to do work, are you going to be able to have the material supply to do it? And I said, well, it depends. Are you going to saddle us with Buy America as well? Because I said, you can't make it where it's harder to permit a quarry, but oh, that quarry has to be in America. And a lot of times it's trying to help people understand those unintended consequences of what they're trying to do and why it may seem like a good idea, but the challenges that it then brings. Yes, definitely. And that's a perfect example. We worked pretty closely with our delegation on the Buy America issue this spring and summer to try to have those exact conversations. And again, I think so many of these things are well-intentioned initially, but then they just kind of start to go. And it's like, hold on, guys. Let's talk about how this actually works in the real world. We've had some issues as well with our Department of Natural Resources and our aggregate sites and bringing us under the umbrella of industrial sand. And it's like all non-metallic mining is not the same. Like, please don't treat us like them because it's a very different process and a very different end result. So yes, I think you're spot on with that, Richard. So politics today seems pretty divisive. And so I'm just curious if you could maybe share how you take politics out of some of the things you're working on, or at least try to get some of that divisiveness out to really help get stuff done. Personally, one of the most unfortunate things that's occurred over the last 10 to 15 years on the state level and on the federal level is just how these, to me, no-brainer issues like funding our infrastructure and maintaining the existing infrastructure we have has really become this divisive issue where it used to be a very bipartisan common goal. And I think both sides are a little misguided on some of these things right now. So to answer your question, Brett, I think one of the biggest things that we have going for us is how tangible our the asphalt industry is. We are building things that help people get safely to work or to school and helping goods get to the market. But for the things that our companies do, those things can't happen. And helping them understand that the backbone of our economy is transportation and this infrastructure network. And then, like I said, kind of showing them the people that are doing this work are their constituents, they're paying taxes, they are raising families in their districts, and it's helping put faces to names and showing them the human side of the industry, I think is one way to kind of break down those political barriers. I know one of the things that we've been working on nationally and in our state is really that personal outreach, those grassroots coalition building exercises to help show people this isn't bad. We're not harming the environment. We're not trying to use things that are not from where we are. It's local. It helps make our economy work. You mentioned earlier that you work with like the Office of Workforce Development. 
one of the biggest challenges that we have right now in the industry is getting bodies in the door that are willing to help us do this work. What are some of the things that you've done with like the Office of Workforce Development in the state to really help showcase you can have a good career in the construction industry and and help maybe some companies who don't have someone in government affairs or might be looking for ideas on how do you interface with these groups to make the companies more successful? I kind of feel like right now, our industry has been sounding the alarm on workforce development for as long as I've been involved. And now it feels like the rest of the industries are starting to feel the panic that we have been trying to warn people about. So we are lucky in Wisconsin to have a really good partnership with our unions. So they've been helpful in the workforce development initiatives as well. At Wellbeck specifically, we do have some people who do a lot of external outreach from our HR department and have sat on apprenticeship councils and have worked with our Department of Workforce Development. So I think this is another area where informing these officials and decision makers on breaking down barriers that they may be implementing, thinking that it's good public policy, but now it's keeping people out of the industry. So helping do a pipeline from high school and tech to our tech colleges. We have a earning credit towards these types of things, making sure that kids are aware of that they have options and choices and a four-year university isn't the only path to a successful career. So I think it really starts with the youth and with high schools and our agriculture groups or returning veterans or those kinds of groups that have a strong work ethic. And if we get them early, we have a good chance of bringing them in. Just making sure that we have partners with, like I said, our tech colleges, our unions, for those of us who are signatory to the unions. And then again, making sure that there aren't government-created barriers to helping get those people into the pipeline and trained up to work for us. All right. I want to jump back a little bit. So you mentioned that a lot of people learn visually. I kind of want to go back to that because I think a lot of that is with memory, I guess, in terms of like, if you can visualize it, you can remember it. And so you mentioned like plant visits or site visits or different things. Are there other ways that you put a visual with the messaging that helps really drive that home or can help with those types of getting the point across or getting people to remember what you're trying to get them to remember? just trying to be nimble, right? So like social media is an example of that. I know I was listening to the podcast you guys did with the guy from the Rogers group and he was talking about how he learned about plant software on LinkedIn. I think social media for all of the bad things, especially that we're learning about right now, can bring people together and you can reach a wider audience, whether it's a legislator or a potential intern, a high school kid, putting yourself out there with marketing and social media and having a public presence. Wellbeck was lucky enough to start a partnership with the Green Bay Packers recently. They're not even just like a Wisconsin team. They're one of the most popular teams in the country. And our logo was behind Aaron Rodgers during a press conference last season. And all of our phones just started blowing up. So like you're saying, it's like building brand awareness. And I'm going to digress a little bit, but I think one of the cool things about a lot of the Napa companies, including ours, is that they're multi-generational, privately held, still family-owned companies. And a lot of those companies I don't want to speak for everyone, but I can speak for ours, have really shied away from that spotlight or putting yourself out there. And I think recently our CEO and his team have really been much more open to that. And it has helped connect those dots, like you're saying, and helped with 
like I said, like visualizing brand awareness, piquing people's interest, sending them to the website, bringing them in. Then with legislators as well, they're like, oh, hey, I saw your logo. Like, is this Payne and Dolan? Is this you guys? And then kind of starting that conversation. And again, it helps. I don't want to say there's no such thing as bad press, but it does help kind of round out the circle and bring that positive attention and positive awareness to what the industry is doing. I'm curious for somebody that maybe isn't as familiar with Wallbeck or even yourself, is there something that is interesting about the company that maybe somebody that doesn't work there or something that you learned after working there that you think would be interesting or surprising? Yeah. So I kind of alluded to this in my last answer, but Wallbeck is an amalgamation of our founder's name. So Walter Bechtold was one of the original founders of our company. So that first generation And he was actually a county highway commissioner prior to getting into the asphalt business. As our companies have grown, Wahlbeck was created and then used as this overarching umbrella to bring the companies together. And we talk about the power of one and kind of breaking down those silos. And so it's a really great callback to the history, but also moving forward and continuing to build. And we're currently in the third generation and our leadership team and ownership group has been really focused on succession planning and making sure that we're well positioned for the future and getting ready for the fourth generation. And so it's really exciting to be a part of that process. What's something that you look back on your five years with the Wallbet group, and there's something that just stands out as like, that's something I'm not going to forget because of what happened that day. One thing that stands out is, as we've talked about, long-term sustainable funding is the number one goal for the asphalt industry in Wisconsin. And in 20... 19, we were able to secure a pretty significant increase in through our state budget for infrastructure funding. So that was the biggest increase that we'd had in over 30 years. So that was a team effort, but it was really positive because we have divided government in Wisconsin right now. We have a Democratic governor and a Republican-led legislature. And so there were a lot of needles to thread. It was an interesting time, but it was very positive for our industry. So that was definitely one of the happiest memories or moments that we've had in the past couple of years on the government affairs front. And then I'm biased, but I would put our state association up against anyone. Brandon and Deb are grinders. They've been doing a great job and we have, we're an all-time high for asphalt quantities in our state right now. And it's looking like it's going to stay that way for a while. So I think a lot of government affairs is a long game. There's little things happening all the time, which are kind of always working on these long-term goals. So chipping away and having those small victories, you have to celebrate them for a day and then move on because the challenges exist and they're continuing to exist. And so, okay, this was good. Now on to the next thing. We just want to thank you for spending a little bit of time with us today and being on the podcast and wish you the best of luck as you continue working for the Wallpet Group. Thank you. It was a pleasure speaking with you guys today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So I think my big takeaway today really was just how important having that visualization to go along with your messaging can be at making the message effective and memorable. I liked how she emphasized earlier in the conversation that really everyone is in government affairs, especially if the government is your primary customer. If you're the crew, you're out there interacting with the DOT supervisor, you're accounting, you're interacting with the office where you're doing your billing and contracting. You're helping people understand the business. You may be the face of the business to certain people. 
And so making sure that you've got those good relationships, you're keeping things positive, you're direct, your communications are on point are really important, even though that's not necessarily what your title might say. Thanks for listening to Pave It Black. Visit asphaltpavement.org slash podcast to find more episodes, suggest a topic or guest, become a sponsor, or learn more about NAPA. Pave It Black is produced and copyrighted by the National Asphalt Pavement Association. Music by Colleague. As always, thanks to the dedicated workforce connecting diverse communities all across America. Keep on paving it black.